When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. I just want to clarify some basketball uh, in case you missed it. Zarek Oyema, the UTEP transfer, finishing up his official visit to Texas today. He's the uh, 6'8 forward. I, I, I like him for the Christian Bishop role with the potential to have that role expanded. And then Kendall Weaver from UTA, WAC Freshman of the Year. Uh, he just checked in this morning, uh, got got into town for his official visit, so he'll start his today. Uh, that He's a massive priority for Texas because we know the Longhorns need guards mm-hmm. in the worst way possible. you got Max Aismas locked in. We think they'll get Tyrese Hunter back. We expect them to get Tyrese Hunter back, but for sure they need guards regardless, and Kendall Weaver would definitely give them a huge boost. I found out, Craig, there was no overlap in the recruitment with uh, Chris Ogden either. So that's uh, this is a fresh this is a fresh deal for the staff. There you go. So okay. I, did, I, I went and checked on that. I know because you asked me about that a yeah. couple of weeks ago. And yeah. Got some clarification on that. Uh, let's talk Texas football. Uh, did you have something you wanted to add nope. there, Craig? Okay. Nope. You nope. took a deep breath. Like I didn't know if you are going to ask I was something. just taking a deep breath. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I always like to double check. I want to talk uh, a little Texas football Uh and we talked about this yesterday on the show a little bit, uh, but we really got into it on Longhorn Blitz, and it's it's Sark going into year three and kind of where other coaches have been going into their third year and where it looks like Sark really has a, a point to take off. And, and I started thinking about this, and, and Rod mentioned it, and I, I kind of got to thinking about this. You know, when, when you look at programs when they're in year three, you know, Mac, what was Texas that year in 2009 and three that ended with the Holiday Bowl loss to, to Oregon? Joey Harrington, um, you know, you look at Charlie Strong in year three. Obviously, that ended the way it ended. Mm-hmm. Tom Herman in year three, coming off the Sugar Bowl win, you go eight and five, seven seven win regular season wasn't what anybody hoped it would be. And I start going into year three. And usually, I think when you and I said yesterday, and I mentioned it on the Blitz too, that the proof will be in the pudding. But I think Craig, what it boils down to is year three is usually the year where you figure out, especially if you're a blue blood program like Texas. That's usually when you figure out, is this guy the right guy or not? You know, yeah. even though the caveat there would be Max third year did include that that sixty four thirteen loss to Oklahoma, which I think accelerated the clock on how much time you've got to get this thing going. I think in the general mm-hmm. public's view, uh, a bit but, of number dyslexia sixty three fourteen sixty three fourteen. My bad, they it all, was bad. They all kind of there was together. also a sixty five to thirteen yeah. in 03, Yeah, the sixty three fourteen loss. Uh, but that Oklahoma team went on to win the national championship that yep. year, so it's you know it's not like Texas lost to a bad football team. But I think you could tell by you know after that Oklahoma loss, kind of the Sims Applewhite thing really ended up working itself out that year because Major took over after the OU game until he got hurt, and then it was Chris Sims with not having to look over his shoulder toward the end of the year. And I mean, you go back. I was st- even if, just look at the numbers. Even if you include some of those quarters that Vince Young had, throwing the football, there might not be a better quarter. A Texas, uh, well, maybe you look at maybe Casey Thompson's second quarter in the OU Gamers first right. quarter. The third quarter Chris Sims had in the AM game that year in 2000 may be the most prolific quarter throwing the football any Texas quarterback has ever had. I mean, it was something like. 
six for seven for like 200 yards and three touchdowns, just something ridiculous. And Roy Sloan and BJ all scored in that third quarter when those guys were getting to the end of their freshman year. And even I thought, you know, his interception total was pretty high, but down the stretch, I thought he played really well in the Holiday Bowl. But bottom line, it worked itself out. And by the end of 2000, you figure, okay, yeah. We can take Texas seriously as a national championship contender, as a contender in the Big 12, but then all of a sudden it's now not can you go in, it's can you scale Mount Oklahoma. That became the obstacle after the 2000 season. But I think that's kind of where it is for Sark, and I really do feel like because we figured this out with Charlie Strong, we figured this out with Tom Herman too, your roster is in a place where you should be competing for a conference championship. You could be, You should be contending for a conference championship. And if it's not – it's not going to be because you didn't have enough talent. It's probably because you as the head coach failed somewhere along the line, and maybe you're not the right guy. You know, Mac Brown ultimately was the right guy. Charlie Strong wasn't, and Tom Herman wasn't. And I think we kind of figured that out right after the end of that 2019 regular season when it was another staff overhaul. And at that point, you're like, oh, dude, here we go again. You know, we got a coach that realizes he's under the gun and he's going to you know, fight, get rid of half the staff and turn this thing over. And then you had the pandemic, which is a whole different ball of wax. But I, that's kind of where I'm at. with, the, And I, I think this is a good coaching staff, Craig. I really do. And we, I, I've mm-hmm. seen – I know you can certainly pick apart things that Sark has not done well, like you know, in-game management, adjustments, things like that, whatever it is. You can certainly point to things that Sark has not done well, where he, areas where he needs to improve. But I feel like I've seen enough positive signs – uh, that make me feel like he can make the necessary improvements to get Texas over the hump. And really where it boils down to, if you look at where Texas needs to improve year over year, I think it's two areas. One, Rod points this out, Sark's success rate going against coaches that have won at least 60% of his of their games, which means you're coaching against the better coaches on your schedule. Mm-hmm. Sark hasn't had the best record there. Uh, and I also think, getting things turned around when you talk about one-possession games and one-score games. Like, every loss Texas had last year was by seven points or less. So can you as the head coach, and in Sark's case, it's even more under the microscope because he's the play caller, can you as the coach now give your team the schematic advantage it needs to push to push to break the tape before the opponent in those one-score games? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of steps you're talking about Texas taking because – We've seen, Craig, in conference championship games, weird things can happen. So I don't think it's necessary. I don't want to use the word fair because really in life what is fair. But that's why I'm not putting that hard-line expectation of Texas has to go win the Big 12 championship this year. I think if you get to Arlington, if you get there. It's the next step forward for the program. It's probably going to take at least nine but more likely ten wins for Mm. you to get there. And then if you win that game, you're either – in a New Year's Six Bowl by way of being the conference champion, or if you lose that game, maybe you're still, maybe you get into the playoff, or maybe you're in the New Year's Sixes and at large. But basically, if you get to Arlington, more likely than not, you're going to be playing in the New Year's Six, which again is the next logical step. As good as the Alamo Bowl is, as convenient as it is, I don't think this fan base wants to be back in San Antonio for the postseason. I don't think the program does either. I don't think so. So that's. But to get there, I think that's where Sark has to grow, is what can you do? How can you evolve? How can you develop as a coach to make sure you're doing the right things? And the same thing for Jeff Banks and the same thing for Pete Kwiatkowski as the respective coordinators in their areas. 
can you get to the point where you're giving your team a schematic advantage that can get them over the top in those tight ball games? Yeah. Where necessarily you didn't last year. Last year it wasn't a schematic advantage because when you got th- you broke you pushed through in those close games, turn around handed to Bijan, turn around handed to, Ro- uh, to Roshan, and they right. would carry you across the finish line. You don't have that luxury now. It's got to be part Quinn Ewers' development, your offensive line development, but I think from an offensive standpoint, it's also Sark's growth as a play caller. Uh, you know, it's with regard to setting out the specific goals and what should be targets uh, for Texas as a program to reach, uh, we find out sometimes that it's a moving target. Uh, the one that's not moving is trying, obviously, to get to the conference championship mm-hmm. game. Um and there's always debate among fans about, you know, was it was there progress last year? Well, they went from five wins to eight wins. I would say it's progress. It and might not be progress you like, but it's progress. That's that's where I was going next because some folks say, well, that's not good enough. Nobody nobody disputes that. Nobody is disputing where it's quote unquote good enough. We're talking about did it take a step forward with progress? Mm-hmm. And so, however they fit, whether it fit their definition of how much progress there should have been that's a different discussion about whether there was progress or not going from five wins to eight wins there was progress but was there enough in terms of to satisfy everybody of course not and certainly not even the program yeah. itself this year most folks seem to kind of at least logically view the next step in the progress being getting to the big 12 championship game uh, whether you win it or not, whether you're the, the the favorite or not going into the thing, that would be the next. Because if you get to nine wins but don't get to the championship game, it would be minimal progress at best at that point. That's improvement by one game, mm-hmm. and uh, that might not you know. Could it, it and again, this is the sliding scale part that I'm talking about. Uh, the target shifts because the schedule's different. Too. Yeah, uh, and so. Other than Alabama being on the schedule is different this year than it was last year. Mm-hmm. So those are all the things that get measured in. But a significant step forward in the area of progress would be to get to Arlington. That would be because schedule changes notwithstanding and yeah. other things going on. Uh, again, that's a tangible, viable step forward for the program. If Wait, it were to happen, what was Kansas State last year, Craig? I, I, I looked this up. Uh, were they nine and three in the regular season That's last correct. year? They were nine and three. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because they finished ten and four because they lost yep. the Sugar Bowl to Alabama. Yep. That's one of those deals like you say, well, they got to win 10 in in the regular season. Well, oh, that's where you talk about that moving target. You got to win 10. Well, okay, what if the Big 12 is better than we think? What if 10 wins doesn't get you to Arlington? Yeah. Or Are you if, satisfied at that point? Or what if, what if nine is good enough to get you there? Yeah. Yeah. So it's. You know, it's, that that's why I say it's a moving target on that. that it, we used to it used to be, and this is for real. This is for real. We used to have people that would call in or, or text or whatever that would say, "Is as long well, it'd be back in the days of calling in, not texting. <laughs> as long as they beat A and M in Oklahoma, I'm okay with even if it's just above 500. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like, what? That you know, that's not how this program is measuring yeah. itself either. It should, but be. but folks have different. My point is, is that folks have different levels of evaluation of progress, and and all I'm here to say is that's all well and good, and that in 450 will get you a latte at Starbucks. My point yeah. is, 
that the program, that the coaches, that the players have the standard in the program and, and the measuring stick of progress that they have could be vastly different than everybody else's. But, you know, theirs matters an awful lot as they as they try to put forth the effort and the work to get into. I, I always like to try to find something redeeming about a season. That's why I think like the the twenty the two thousand season is tough because you do have that loss to OU, but you did beat A and M. Mm-hmm. So it's not a total loss. And nothing, you know, you could tell that team was on a trajectory, even though you knew Casey Hanson and Sean Rogers and Leonard Davis, some of those guys were gone. You're like, okay, this team's going to be really good next year anyway. Um, you know, like you look at last year, I think one of the reasons why probably an eight, eight and four regular season is easier for some people to swallow. You beat Oklahoma 49 nothing. You may never, ever, there's probably a decent chance. I'll just say the word decent. There's probably a decent chance you'll never see that big a blowout. Uh, Texas over OU that game a uh, shutout blowout shutout in you should in, in, in in the because we expect Oklahoma to be better regardless of how good you think Texas will be you will none of us may live to ever see that again uh, forty nine to nothing so that one game alone represents. <laughs> Uh, a, a progress yeah. step. Blow, blowouts in that game, it's like sitting down to like the best steak dinner you've ever had, and then like Debbie Downer suddenly sits down at the table, and you get to a point where you're like, dude, I can't even enjoy this. Like, it's not. Yeah. This I, I wanted this experience to be so so much different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 a lot different there. That game is that game. Uh, regardless of who wins, that game is so much fun when it's close. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I I'm here to tell you, it didn't suck. When last the, year to call that that did not suck because I've been on the opposite side of that deal. Yeah, but when the, I, you know I was in the booth with Bill Schoening for sixty three fourteen. I called play by play on sixty five thirteen fifty five seventeen seventeen sixty three twenty one was my 63, first game 21. as a, as a yeah. media member. Yeah. I'll tell you this too before we uh, before before we hit the break. That game is awesome when the pucker factor is real for ninety three thousand plus that are that are in that stadium. That's true in the fourth quarter. 